our market research was doing trunk shows. Okay, welcome back to the Marketing Playbook presented by Details Interactive. Here you'll take away three game-winning marketing plays every episode to take back to your team. I'm your host, Mark Friedman, and my career has been focused on direct-to-consumer marketing, direct mail, physical retail, and digital commerce. This is episode number 31, and today's guests are sister and brother team, Jake and Caroline Danahy. Before we get started, a quick thank you as always to Max Brandstetter of the Wild Business Growth Podcast for producing this episode. You can reach him at max at maxpodcasting.com to help bring your podcast to life. Let's open the playbook. Ready? Break. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining the Marketing Playbook Podcast. Today, I'm joined by two special guests, Jake and Caroline Danahy, the sister and brother co-founders of Fair Harbor. As Jake has been quoted, our goal with Fair Harbor was to create the best board shorts on the planet while doing our part to keep the oceans we love clean from plastic waste. Jake and Caroline, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having us. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it's great. So uh, we're recording this uh, towards the end of February 2021. Um, we're still uh, uh, in our pandemic here, hopefully, you know, coming out soon. How have uh, both you and, and your families fared through all this? No, well, thankfully everyone's been um, you know safe and healthy. Uh, it's been you know quite a quite a roller coaster of of the last twelve months. I'd say it is pretty funny. Our dad picked us up. Um, we both live in Manhattan on uh, on the west side and around uh, Hudson Yards. Our dad picked us up um, to take us out to their house in Westchester on March thirteenth, and uh, for a long weekend. And we didn't come back to the city until August. So uh, we spent our, our quarantine in Westchester, New York with our parents. And um, yeah, you know, it, it really lended its, itself as a, as a time for us to kind of keep our heads down and, and focus on the business. You know, it was pretty imperative for us to really focus on things that were working and um, the things that weren't working as well, kind of remove them from the equation. Um, and, you know, a lot of, lot of time in, in the house and at the computer. And I'll let Carolyn kind of touch on some other things as well. And also a lot of family, family bonding time too. So <laughs> a lot of fire pits and a lot of time outdoors, which was nice. And I think to have that juxtaposition between being able to go on walks and outdoors and outside, um, taking a little bit more time to, to meditate and be a little bit more mindful. Um, and then also just a lot of time on Fair Harbor too, which was really rewarding as well. And as Jake said, thankfully everyone is healthy and weathered the storm okay from a health perspective and just kind of put our heads down and push forward. That's great. You know, there's so many uh, people that I talk to, you know, one of the things they all, the commonality is, you know, family time, being able to do things that, you know, you didn't potentially have an opportunity to do before. You know, if you have older children, the days of everybody being under one roof uh, were few and far between anymore, maybe holidays. Uh, I know in my case, my daughter moved out of the city and, and with us for three months, uh, her and her, her 50 pound dog. But, you know, that was, it was, it was a lot of fun, uh, during that time. So at the top of the show here, I like to get, you know, something that's a little bit remarkable or fascinating about my guests. And, you know, I did give you, to be fair, I did give you a little bit of time to think about that so that I wouldn't spring it on you. Um, any thoughts of, of something you'd like to share from each of you quickly? I think, you know, when Jake and I were both starting out Fair Harbor, we, it was a lot of 
learning by experience and just getting out there and trying to, you know, do the best that we could given the resources we had and the product. So basically um, our market research was doing trunk shows. When we first started, we did over 500 trunk shows and that basically consisted of throwing a bunch of board shorts in the back of Jake's car and traveling up and down the East coast with the fold up table and just trying to sell to everyone and anyone who would hear our story and touch and feel our products. And those were definitely some long days, but it, uh, it taught us a lot about the business and how to talk with customers, learn from those experiences. And, um, you know, while, as I said, they were long days, they were um, also the biggest learning experiences, I think in those early days. So that was, I think that's probably one. That's pretty fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's, it's a tough question, especially when you're talking about yourself, but I think something for me was, you know, and it was probably the most dif- difficult time, but um, you know, when we were first starting out, Caroline and I were the only ones really involved and we were shipping everything out of our parents' garage. And so when I first graduated, I was working out of um, the Brooklyn Fashion Design Accelerator in, um, in Brooklyn, in um, New York. And we were shipping everything out of our parents' house. And I just remember, you know, going home, we would, I'd work all day and then I had, I've had to come home and, and ship packages out at night. We did that and all the way until, you know, we were shipping out three, 400 orders a day at a certain point still out of our parents' garage. And so, you know, it was a, we built out wire racks and we built a whole infrastructure that our parents kind of hold, you know, 19th century, our yeah, 19th century garage. So definitely a lot of uh, late nights and, um, you know, long weekends and things like that to, to get those orders out. But it was a lot of fun and I'm glad we did it because we know how it works now, but um, that was right. a lot. I hope you put your parents to work uh, shipping some stuff out there. Uh, well, every once in a while, they weren't too, too keen on it, but they've been, they've been <laughs> incredibly supportive of us since, since day one. Got it. So Fair Harbor, somebody take a crack at explaining to the audience what Fair Harbor's mission is, give a little bit about the products that you're selling, and and then we'll get into how you actually got to where you are today. Growing up, Jake, so we're siblings, and growing up, we spent our summers in a place called Fair Harbor out in Fire Island. And it's where we learned to fish and swim and surf and everything like that just by being in the ocean. And Fire Island is actually really unique because it's about 22 miles long, but only 100 yards wide. So you can quite literally see the bay from the ocean and the ocean from the bay. And, you know, as we started to grow up, we saw more and more plastic waste onto the shores and onto our beaches. And, you know, that feeling really lingered with us as we grew older. And, you know, fast forward a few years and you know, I was nicknamed the tree hugger of the family and I had such a passion for fashion. Um, and Jake was studying geography at Colgate University. During his studies, he found this polyester directly made from recycled plastic bottles and started to really dig into the nitty grittiness of you know, how plastic is really impacting our environment. The two of us really wanted to you know, create something to clean up the beaches and preserve them for generations to come based on our experiences in Fair Harbor, Fire Island. Really, you know, that inspiration continues to draw back from, you know, those experiences of summers where we were just kind of enjoying simple times underneath the sun with our family. And I think that's really kind of where that inspiration has, has drawn from. And you both went to Colgate, correct? We did. Yes. Yeah, I, was a, I was a senior when Caroline was a freshman. So we started the business when I was a junior and Caroline was a senior in high school. And so she, she came and it was awesome to be at, at school for one year together. All right. Patriot League. I'm a Lafayette grad. No Colgate. Well, yeah. So you started the business while you were in school, Jake, give a little perspective into, you know, how do you get a business like this going? You know, you have a a vision, you have this passion for sustainability and for, you know, recycle and and all you need some money, you need some other kinds of resources. How did that that all come together for you? We we didn't like just sit in a room saying, all right, we want to start a business. It didn't happen like that. It wasn't like, all right, we're trying to start a business. What it was is we had a frustration 
with the plastic problem and all the plastic that was going to the ocean and everything like that. And we had a passion for the environment and surfing and being outside. And we combine those two things. And I strongly believe that's where, you know, companies and, and inspiration comes from is when you combine a frustration and a passion together. And so that's where, you know, I think where Fair Harbor was born was between those two things. I was a geography major at, at Colgate. I went in with the expectation first of, of being an economics major, but I just didn't love economics. Um, and I probably would have followed you know, the same path and suit of going you know, to investment banking or real estate or you know, law or something of that nature. But I started taking geography classes, as Caroline mentioned, and you know, started learning about global ocean currents and climatology. And uh, ultimately, that's you know what made us want to do something about it. And because we we're Colgate's a liberal arts school, we didn't have that business degree or anything of that nature. And thankfully, we had this program called Thought into Action, TIA for short. And what they did is they connected um, actual alumni entrepreneurs with aspiring student entrepreneurs to help them, you know, with start their business and, and really, you know, lead them on their way. And so um, we joined that when when I was a junior and Carol was a senior in high school. And every year, um, Colgate um, has this thing called a Shark Tank competition. So they bring in celebrity entrepreneurs to come and talk to the university and the students. And then they award four student ventures the opportunity to pitch in front of them for funding. Um, we were awarded the opportunity to pitch and we pitched in front of Jessica Alba, MC Hammer, Neil Blumenthal from Warby Parker, um, Jennifer Hyman from Run the Runway. And we ended up actually winning $20,000 to start the company. And so we used that $20,000 to, you know, kind of set up our company legally in terms of incorporations, um, set up the website, um, and then invest in our first production run. So our first production run uh, landed in the summer of 2015, which consisted of five colors, um, 100 of each color. As Caroline said, the only way that we knew how to sell was we threw them in the back of my car and we drove up and down the East Coast and we sold them to everybody and anyone that would hear our story. I hope it was a convertible that you were using in those days. <laughs> no, it's a, it was a, it's a 2008 <laughs> Honda Pilot, and I, we still use it to this day. It's a great car, great vehicle. We just had a photo shoot in uh, Charleston, and Jake and I uh, basically took the Honda Pilot down and back, and she's still running. So <laughs> that's great. I could just envision you guys sitting in the, uh, you know, in a, in a convertible, driving up and down the Jersey Shore, all the way up north, and you know, stopping with that table and, and, you know, starting to sell product. But, you know, that, that's a great story. It was a lot less glamorous than that. <laughs> well, you know, you get started. It must have been exciting for you to get your first production runs and then see that people were interested in buying the product. How did you feel then? It was, it was awesome to have people buying our product. Um, it was great. It was a, it was a great feeling. Um, we always joke that the first people that brought our, our products were the, the three F's, friends, family, and fools, because we didn't actually adequately test them out yet. But we, you know, we started, thankfully, how we started, it gave us the ability to iterate. And I'll let talk, Caroline talk a little bit more about this. But we, because we had so few units and because we were still in college, we had years and years, like we, we would go back each year and talk about and, and see our customers and they would tell us what they liked about our product and what they didn't like about our product. And so that's how we, we use that customer feedback um, to really improve our styles and iterate. Yeah, and off of that too, when we first started, you know, our entire mission since the get-go is we make products for people to enjoy the places that they love while protecting those places too. And that sustainability angle was really what initially hooked people as we were standing at the tables and said, oh, you know, all of these board shorts are made from recycled plastic bottles and it would stop them in their tracks and they turn around and be like, wait, how does that happen? Part of, you know, what energizes the two of us so much is to help spread awareness about how we can turn waste into you know, this ultra comfortable, durable, stylish product that people otherwise wouldn't have you know, known about. And that's also that education component too is really exciting to 
we have to educate, you know, eight-year-old boys and then 80-year-old grandfathers and kind of have that ability to, you know, share that message, both in this uh, you know, awareness side of things and also with our product. You know, we have kids and suits that fit adults, that kind of cross-generational aspect to coming into Fair Harbor. When you, you, you knew you had a, a problem that you were trying to solve, but how did you figure out that you could in fact take plastic, recycled plastic and turn it into an apparel item? And that was from um, when I was studying in, in college um, back in 2014. It's very known today about turning, converting plastic bottles into yarn, but back then it was uh, much less known. And so um, I was just doing some studies and I actually ended up um, doing an extended study with a professor. So when, when I was learning about all of the negative effects of plastic waste and, you know, on our ocean, um, I did this, I spent an entire semester with a professor and did, you know, really dug down in the nitty grittiness and that's what was of what was happening. And in doing so, I found a, I found a mill that was converted into plastic bottles and a yarn. And then we actually worked with that mill to um, make it into our custom fabric. Um, so we took that yarn and then wove it into our custom fabric, which we either dye or digitally print on. It's funny too, a quick side note. Um, so when we did the shark, mock shark tank competition for entrepreneurship weekend at Colgate, Jessica Alba, as Jake said, was one of the celebrity panelists um, or celebrity judges. And she had the Honest Company, um, which is a sustainably focused baby brand. And even she was like, wait, those are made from recycled plastic bottles. And she was like, oh, those need to come over here. And I need to feel them, um, which the model at the time was one of our friends. And he was very excited to kind of walk over and you know show Jessica Alba. But even just someone like that who's so entrenched in the sustainability space wasn't even aware of that. So we were trying to be leaders in that area too. Since I first met you, and, and let's say it's, you know, it's roughly two years ago, I remember you guys telling me the story about this. And I may have said this to you. I hope I didn't, but I may have. I remember feeling like plastic bottles, board shorts, that doesn't sound like it's going to feel comfortable. You know, I wound up, you know, buying a, a couple of pair and, you know, I will say that they are, you know, extremely comfortable and, you know, I love the patterns. I love, you know, everything about, you know, what you're doing. I may have also told you, I interviewed um, the founders, co-founders of Thousand Fell, Stuart Alam and, and Chloe Sanger. You know, they have a great story as well about, you know, sustainability and, and the whole recyclability, you know, angle. And, and I think their business is, is performing you know, well, too. So clearly, there's a lot of folks that are interested about, you know, this issue of sustainability. Are you, are you finding that, you know, as you talk to people, that it, it really is a thing? Totally. I think people, people want to vote with their dollars. Um, I think people really care um, about the impact that their products that they consume um, have on, on the, uh, the planet. And I think, you know, more so, and we've seen this in the last six years, um, it's definitely been a, been a ramp. You know, it's been every year. I think it becomes more and more apparent for the consumer. Last year, yeah, yeah, I think it's been a really, really strong growth. And I think people care more and more about what they wear and, and how that impacts the planet. You know, there's so many aspects of, of getting a business like this off the ground and sustaining it. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the division of responsibility uh, that each of you uh, have in the business. So I oversee everything creative. So from a brand perspective, um, marketing, I lead all creative initiatives. And then I'm also the graphic designer too. Um, we just brought on someone else, a uh, new graphic designer, but um, I also do all of that from email campaigns, digital ads, catalog has been a successful marketing channel for us um, as of last year. So we have a few of those this year, but basically I oversee everything from a creative standpoint. Yeah. And, and so I'm the CEO and co-founder and um, 
I really manage everything from um, e-com, uh, the website, to uh, performance marketing and product. Um, product is where you know I spend a lot of my time too, and and making sure that everything in our production cadence is going according to plan. But um, yeah, Carol and I, I think, have you know very complementary skill sets, which is I think why we work very well together as co-founders. It's funny, even though um, we were both geography majors at Colgate, we had very different interests within the the realm of geography. So I focus more on human geography, so how humans interact with our environment and globalization patterns and everything like that. Where Jake really focused on the physical and natural side of geography, so how for example, global ocean, ocean currents and climatology and things like that. So I think that also speaks to why we have the sim, similar interests and in, you know, what we're doing and the passion for why we're doing this. Um, we also have different interests within that lens too. So I think that's, that's interesting. Jake, you were talking about product. Uh, do you have a, a designer, a group of designers? Uh, are you the designer for what the patterns are going to be and the styles of products that you're selling? So Carolyn and I, um, in terms of all the fits and and the actual construction of the garments, I do all of that, you know, created all of our fits and garments from scratch. And then Carolyn and I obviously work on that together, but um, Carolyn leads the charge in terms of the aesthetic. And then we work together to develop the prints for the season. We've got two amazing graphic designers that we work with on print development. And then um, we just hired um, a woman by the name of Erin Devine, who is our production manager. So she helps make sure, you know, everything from um, that we put in place actually gets made and, and delivered to us on time. So it's a group effort for sure, but Cal and I are, are very involved immensely in that. That's great. And manufacturing is done where? Um, so we have five factories that we work with. Two, our two major factories are in, in China, and then we have um, factories in Pakistan, Peru, um, and uh, Southeast Asia. Got it. And did you uh, experience challenges, um, you know, with uh, China, with associated with tariffs, you know, during the time when you know tariff increases were were coming? Yeah, no, it definitely hurt. Um, but we, we as a company took, you know, the hit on ins instead of our customer. So got it. So I think, uh, you know, people that listen to this show, um, what's interesting for me is we've got, um, you know, quite a few people that are, you know, early stage entrepreneurs, you know, um, much like you guys are. And then we've got some seasoned people and, and some, you know, folks in between. But for those people at, at the beginning of, uh, their development of a business. Uh, I'm sure there's some things that you learned the hard way um, that you weren't quite prepared for. Anything stand out, a few things perhaps stand out that, you know, maybe mistakes that you made or things that you just didn't think you would have to be responsible for. They have to get done, but maybe they just weren't on your radar when you started this all. <laughs> you know, it's fun. That's a Great question. I think one of the things is was our one of our strengths is our naivete or, or how naive we were um, because we didn't know what we didn't know. And I remember when we first started this company, a lot of people in the in the industry, as it's called, um, or the apparel space, was like, "What the hell are you doing? Don't get in! Don't get in!" Um, and because we didn't really know much about what we were getting into, we're like, "Yeah, it's gonna work," and we just kind of sprinted ahead and, and just didn't even look back. Um, and so I think that was one of our biggest strengths. Um, and it was just like our positivity, just like not taking no for an answer, um, not taking no for an answer and just pushing forward. So I'd say there's definitely problems and roadblocks every step of the way, but because we're so passionate about what we're doing, you figure ways around it. You run through the walls or as they say, and, and navigate around and figure out different ways. And that's what this whole journey is about. And, and you're selling uh, at uh, the, the URL is Fair Harbor Clothing. 
Clothing.com. Is that right? Correct. Fairharborclothing.com. Yep. All right. Consumers can buy there. Where else are you selling your products? Uh, we're on Nordstrom's.com. Um, we were on JCrew.com. Not no longer um, this season. Where else can they buy our product? Uh, we're we're rolling out wholesale, but um, about ninety nine percent of our business is done through our own direct consumer site. If anyone's out in the Hamptons, we have a shop out in Sag Harbor too. So as you, you think about, you know, your go-to-market or you're continuing to go to market, obviously direct-to-consumer through your site, um, sounds like you're moving out on wholesale. Um, is that a, a strategic uh, initiative for you? It is. You know, we want to be in strategic locations um, to really build, build the brand equity. Um, and we understand that it is difficult to um, purchase products online. And, and of course, we, we are um, building our, our online business uh, very significantly and very rapidly. But we do see the value in, in brick and mortar at the same time. And so partnering with strategic wholesalers that can really tell our story on, on the brick and mortar level. So when we were doing those trunk shows, I think those experience shows uh, showed us the value of having community footholds in different places um, and being able to talk to people and get to know the towns and everything like that. And what wholesale allows us to do is have those community footholds where people can come and touch and feel our products in a way that D2C and e-com doesn't allow you to. So that's also something how and why we see you know, the upside in wholesale. All right. It's interesting. You know, I, I've worked in a number of businesses where we had, you know, a very dominant wholesale uh, story. Uh, we had, uh, you know, full price and fact you know, uh, outlet stores, and then we had our own direct-to-consumer. Um, one of the challenges of, you know, having a big wholesale business, especially when you have a story, you know, that's as specific as yours, is having those other retailers be able to tell your story. You know, when you're selling, you know, if you're selling in a store, you know, pick any any major retailer, you know, it's it's going to be perhaps perceived as just one more product on a on a rack as opposed to having a real story behind why part of a sustainable uh, story, how things were designed. Are you concerned at all about not being able to replicate that story, you know, in a wholesale environment? Um, I think that's a great point. And that's why it's uh, really imperative to pick the right partners because uh, a good retailer knows how to merchandise the products. And so that's not what we're not going everywhere with our, with our brand, but I, I do think our products speak for itself and they sell very well at wholesale. And, and that's because I think we have very unique prints and we've got a, a super high quality product that we believe in. And, you know, that's why I think our customers, we have a very low return rate online at the retail level. Of course, you know, we are concerned about, about our store being told correctly, but at the same time, there are very good retailers out there that, that know how to tell our story um, and are, are good at it. So we have a, a rep group as well that's helping us get out there and, and telling the story to the retailers, the important retailers. Your, your products are geared towards um, uh, men and then you have a kid's line, right? Yeah. Women's eventually? Uh, so, you know, we've, we've dabbled in women's throughout the years and, and we'll see, you know, we're, we're not opposed to it, but, um, right now we're very focused on our men's business, um, which is ever growing. And what's great about our men's brand is that, you know, with our silhouettes, um, 80 year old men can wear our shorts and so can eight year old boys. Of course, different products, um, I'd say are specifically made for specific pro for specific activities, but for the most part, and you know, a lot of people can wear our products, which is, is something that, you know, we like to market and, and really get it behind. And with respect, you know, any, any business that's, you know, developing has to rely on either investors, mentors, who are the folks, you know, not looking for specific names, but talk about your network of go-to people that help you day in and day out. Yeah, I think it's, especially since starting Fair Harbor at such a young age, I mean, I was a senior in high school and Jake was a junior in college. We've surrounded ourselves or tried to surround ourselves with people who have you know, a tremendous amount of experience in different industries that we can rely on and 
you know, go-to for assistance or guidance, depending on, you know, the hurdle that we're experiencing at that given moment. And it's been incredible to have support of different advisors and mentors. Um, I think that's been a, you know, tremendous way for us to grow by leaning on people and asking questions. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't have really been able to see and foresee in that way. So I think that's been a huge part of Jake and my, uh, you know, mission from when we first started is to curate a group of people who believe in what we're doing and who genuinely are able to support us along the way. Yeah, no, we've been incredibly fortunate. And, and, you know, I said from the beginning that, you know, we were naive, but we were, we weren't that naive. We definitely think we knew we need to surround ourselves with people that knew how to do this and how to build. And so we've been very focused on surrounding ourselves with, with people who've done it before and, you know, really great people from different parts of the industry. And, you know, we've been very fortunate to, to have a really great, um, you know, group of advisors who have really helped us kind of get to the next level and through different challenges, as you said, roadblocks, like we didn't face those ourselves. So that was, um, you know, been, been very helpful. You, you mentioned uh, the $20,000 that you won in the uh, Shark Tank. Has there been other uh, investment in, in the business? So we raised a small friends and family round in 2017. And so how our our story went is we won that $20,000 and then we kind of bootstrapped the company. I graduated college in 2016, worked full-time ever since then. Um, and then so for all of 2016 and part of 2017, we just bootstrapped the company, did lots of trunk shows, we're selling, you know, and not spending any money on advertising. And then in 2017, we really wanted to focus on, on the D2C side of our business. And so we raised a small friends and family round of funding. And we use that angel round to really invest in the infrastructure of the company. Um, we just continue to build the company. Uh, you know, we had one investor who helped us finance inventory, but besides that, it was really, we bought as much as we could afford. We sold it, took the profits and reinvested back into more product. And so that's kind of how we built our business, really the old school way and really the, the way to run a business. And that's how we were profitable, you know, from day one and, um, and just kept building. And most recently at the start of COVID, um, this interesting little anecdote, we had the opportunity to run, uh, run uh, you know, kind of raise our seed round or series A or however you would, you would say it. And we most likely would have taken that that money, um, but then once once COVID hit, we sat down we, and we really took a, a step back and focused on what was important and what we wanted to focus on for our business. And like, we don't want to just spend this money on, on marketing for no reason. We want to spend on the right marketing. We want to be profitable on the first purchase. And so that was a, a huge focus of ours that we really that really came out of the start of COVID. We kind of turned down the money and we decided to you know just put our heads down, pedal on the gas and just figure this out. That's really what we've been focusing on is, is being profitable on the first purchase. And, and, and we were you know, very profitable last year and we, we continue to be profitable. And that's, you know, we're building cash and, and that's what we're really focused on. Of course, we, we are focused on the top line and growth, but we're also very cognizant of the bottom line as well. It's somewhat unusual to be profitable on that first purchase in an apparel business that's direct to consumer, right? You, you do get that. Yes. Yes. Um, but we built our business this way and um, it's how we wanted to, to run the business because then all lifetime value is just icing on the cake. Do you have a direct-to-consumer business? I enjoy connecting with guests on this podcast because it reminds me what I love to do, strategic and tactical consulting for businesses like yours. If you'd like to speak with me about your business and see how you can add a fresh set of eyes to your team, contact me at mark at detailsinteractive.com. Now let's get back to the marketing playbook. And and so let's maybe dig a little bit into, you know, the, the marketing, you know, I'm not looking for numbers at all, but talk about the tactics, you know, from a performance marketing perspective that you're leveraging, allowing you to, to in fact be profitable on that first purchase. 
Yeah, so we're, we're definitely with uh, the gorilla in the room. We spend a lot of money on Facebook. Um, and so that's definitely a channel um, that we spend money on, but we're, you know, diversifying. So Snapchat, Google, we are pretty diverse in terms of our mixed media marketing approach. We're very fortunate because Caroline kind of taught herself how to be a graphic designer. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely look at, um, you know, marketing as a two-pronged approach. Obviously, one is to drive customer acquisition and to drive sales. And the other part is to have those customer touch points and to share that experience. And, you know, part of that experience is through tangible mechanisms such as radio. So like hearing the experiences of Fair Harbor and you're sitting in your car. So radio is one and then also with catalog. So as I mentioned before, catalog has been a very successful driver as well. We've um, really focused on you know our, our creative side too. So um, focusing on photo shoots and we have a great relationship with the photographer who's been growing with us too. A gentleman of the name is Brian Gervala, who's awesome. Um, and then also through video. And I think through all of these channels really focusing on that experience side of things, you know, through visuals, um, through hearing and just like that. Um, but I think to Jake's point, you know, we do have a heavy focus on digital and then we are also looking on offline channels too, just to diversify the marketing spend. So we're not solely, you know, relying on, on Facebook and Instagram. You know, when a customer shops on your site, you have something called a round trip initiative. Talk about that. So one of our advisors, Aaron, who's the CEO of Untuck It, um, he was, um, we were talking with him, he loved the idea of our company, and we were were just mentioning that, you know, all of our products are made from recycled plastic bottles. And he he came to us and he said, um, Jake Caroline, I was was talking to my son last night, and I think his son was eight or nine at the time, and, and he was like, I was talking to my son last night, and I said, um, you won't believe what these shorts are made of. They're made from recycled plastic bottles. He said, that's awesome, daddy, but you're really only borrowing the bottles because what happens to the bottles after the shorts, you're done using the shorts. And I thought about that and I was like, wow, that, that's a great point. What, what does happen to them? So we really wanted to figure out a way that we could recycle these products you know, after, after we use them. So we created the Round Trip Initiative. Um, and what that is, is basically we will, um, anyone who wants to can log on to our website at the Round Trip Initiative on, on our website and they can um, type in their information, the amount of products that they want to recycle. It will generate them a custom label. Then that custom label sends directly to us. And then when we send those products to our partner, which is Two Rewear, which takes the, the products and um, either recycles them, either sanitizes and recycles products and resells them, or if it's no longer wearable, it, it kind of breaks down the, the fibers and makes it into things like carpets and insulation and, and things of that nature. That's great. And, and do you find lots of participation uh, in that from, uh, from customers? We do. Yeah. At different times of the year. Um, but we, it's been a great program for us. And um, for every product that people donate or, or send to us, we give them $5 off their next purchase with Fair Harbor. You, you talked uh, at the top of the show about uh, you know, what you were doing you know, with the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic. When things started to shut down, many apparel businesses, March, April, you know, kind of that first 60 to 90 days, it was looking like for many, the beginning of the end you know, on the apparel side of things. Um, businesses that were in home fashion, and, and things and you know stuff that people were going to use around the house, they didn't really seem to have more than a two week or, or maybe a month blip. Talk a little bit about you know what March and April looked like for you and then how it may have changed or, or continue to be positive throughout the year. We had a great February. Um, and then March hit, the st- a stack line article came out and men's swimwear was the fourth quickest declining category in the market. 
Um, and so Caroline and I really had to put our heads together and figure out, all right, what are we going to do? Um, and so we kind of pivoted our marketing strategy and rather than focusing on swimwear, which we focused on for February, which was for trips and spring break and things like that, we focused on the, the comfort and the versatility of our shorts. We just, we shot our own content, we worked with influencers, we did all this stuff to try and um, highlight the different features of our shorts that made them great. And then we just tested a ton. Every single week we'd rotate out creative. Um, and then once something stuck, we just pressed our foot on the gas and, and really just went and just kind of grew that way. And so, yeah. And, you know, we were fortunate enough to have a really successful year in 2019. So we already had really deep inventory investments. We were kind of set for a killer year. And then, as you mentioned, you know, the world shut down and we had to just pivot our strategy. And luckily, you know, we didn't have a lot of overhead. We didn't invest deep in you know, our own retail stores. So we were just really focused on, okay, this is what's happening in the world. How can we do what's timely and not what's tone deaf and really that pivoting of our marketing messaging. And because we had focused on the last six years of just focusing on perfecting the product, we were able to point to different attributes of the short. So, you know, the elastic waistband for working from home and the four-way stretch and different points of the shorts that were really relevant to what people were experiencing from the work from home mentality. You know, I think pivoting the marketing strategy and just kind of, as Jake said, you know, put our foot down on the gas pedal and just kind of push forward. It was also interesting because a lot of big companies kind of froze too. They didn't really know how to pivot and how to make those quick changes. And, you know, it was the two of us at the time or we had four people. Um, and so we just tried to test a bunch of different things, see what works, see what didn't. Um, and during that time, because of those big companies kind of pulled back their marketing, we leaned in. Marketing all of a sudden became really affordable and it became you know cheaper than it had been in previous years leading up to it. So it allowed us to lean in in a bigger way than we would have been able to, you know, if COVID didn't happen. That being said, you know, we were also trying to be sensitive and didn't want to be also tone deaf to what was happening because it was a terrible time too. So it was definitely a balancing act as well. And I imagine that now that you've learned that there's a wider message for your potential customers that you may not have gone after had there not been, you know, this problem, uh, this whole issue of versatility, you know, that will make you a stronger company, I imagine, you know, uh, going forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, since Jake and I started, you know, the sky's the limit for where we can take Fair Harbor and where we see us going in the future. And I think this was kind of just icing on the cake for, okay, we've already have, have these products. How can we show people that, you know, you can live in Fair Harbor all day long and 365 days out of the year and not just in the summer months as we had always marketed them before. So for example, our anchor short, you can wear our anchor shorts in the gym and working out and and to the beach, but then also just running errands and showing kind of that capability. We hadn't really done in our marketing up until last year. I think that was kind of, it showed us just how we can, you know, diversify that in terms of our messaging. And yeah, that was definitely a, a good takeaway from the year. And, you know, just as we wrap up uh, the show here with respect to, you know, a lot of businesses uh, that, that I see uh, and have, have been talking to, you know, they generated a lot of new customers this year. And, and I guess there's two questions around that. One is, did those customers look like the other customers that you had already cultivated in your business, or did they look a little bit different? We grew by a thousand percent year over year in, in 2020. You know, it's, it's very difficult to compare our old customers. But I don't think they looked very much different, to be totally honest. Well, something really interesting about our business is we don't have one state that's over 10% of our sales. And so we're very diverse crossing the United States, um, Texas being our largest state, which is interesting. Hmm. I don't think that our customer really changed. Caroline, would you, would you agree? No, it's, it's interesting. We, well, obviously, you know, men are the 
people who are wearing our products, we have a very heavily skewed female customer as well. So women are buying for their sons and their husbands and their boyfriends, et cetera. And so I think just last year we were able to just talk to the female consumer too, and just make sure that, you know, she knew that we were paying attention to her. And I think that was also a main focus of our, our initiatives last year, for example, working with mom bloggers and leaning into that whole world, which is a crazy world to begin with as well. So I think just kind of really diving into the data and the analytics of to who our customer really is, is was a big focus of last year, which we learned a lot. Um, and I think that was a good takeaway too. Yeah, it's a it's usually um, um, I think for early stage businesses, you know, getting uh, their arms around who is the end consumer, but also not only who's who's wearing your product, but who's buying your product, and who are the people that you have to influence, um, you know, to actually make the purchase. So the the fact that you've seen that it's a big female audience, you know, buying for a guy, um, you know, that's incredible. Anyway, um, as I end these these shows, we do a two minute drill. Maybe uh, you guys can both give a quick answer. There are seven questions. Just the first thing that comes into your mind, and we'll we'll go. Okay, you ready? Great. All right. Good. A brand that you admire or that inspires you can't be yours, guys. For me, I'd say Patagonia. I always love what they're doing, what what they stand for, and why they started. I'd say I've looked up to Tahini as a female founder and just kind of the courage that she has in the space. Obviously, Outdoor Voices has had a roller coaster of a ride specifically last year, but I you know, hold Tahini up to tremendous respect Just the company that she's built and the person that she is. And yeah, kind of how she's paved the way for female founders too, to just be confident in themselves and be bold. That's great. A favorite app on your phone? The Shopify app. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfortunately not, actually, I'll say fortunately mine too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the last website other than Amazon and your own that you shopped from. I just got some boots for my dad for his 60th birthday from Tecovis. So I'm very excited for those to come in. I'm, I'm big into consignment and second time around um, shopping. So I just bought a, a retro eighties, one piece ski outfit uh, from eBay. So that's uh we're going skiing next week, so that's in my bag. I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> okay. Something that you're not good at, but that you wish that you were. I, you know, I'm, I'm not great at Excel. Not, not that I, <laughs> okay. I wish I was better. I don't know. But we, our, our counterpart, Andrew Riker, who's our VP of Finance and Operation, he, he knows his way around a spreadsheet. So thankfully, yeah. he's, he's part of the company. Good. Caroline? No, I'm, I've, I have many things that I'm not great at. <laughs> <laughs> it's just picking one. Um, I'll, I'll think as we continue to go back to Okay. Them. All right. Them and I'll come back a charitable it. organization that you're passionate about. There's a charity um, that's near and dear to my heart called Sunrise Day Camp. And it's a camp for kids with cancer, totally free of charge. So it allows kids with cancer to go to summer camp and during you know the summer months and allows their uh, siblings to go for free too. And so it's just a way for kids to be kids. And I've been involved with it since I was um, in middle school. And it's just an incredible place for people to just sit back and have fun and enjoy the time underneath the sun. And it's just, it's remarkable what they do. That's outstanding. I love Oceana. I think it's a great organization in terms of what they stand for and what they've done over the years. Obviously near and dear to our heart in terms of what, what they do. Okay. If you had one superpower, what would it be? I would say time travel um, to experience different, different decades, meet people that I wouldn't, I, I'm not able to meet family members and you know, historians. And I think that's uh, time travel, both in the future and in the past. Man, that's awesome. I'm going to pass. <laughs> okay. Last question. Other than your family, what's your most prized possession, if you have one? For me, I, I go through lots of different phases of things that I really like to do. Um, so I, I like, I'm super like being active. So one of my 
things is I've been cycling recently. So my bike has been spending a lot of time with, but obviously that I go through different phases of things I like, but at the current moment, that's what, what I like. That's good. I don't know if our dog include is included in the family, but um, <laughs> Maverick is um, I think kind of exudes just fun energy and he's the best. He's, I think, the best ass part of our family, but while not being human. Um, wow, that's so I'd great. say Maverick. Yeah. Okay. Look, guys, uh, thank you very much for doing this. I know that you're really, really busy. Um, it's great to see that uh, you've had a great year. It's great to see that you're, you know, uh, still passionate about what you're doing. You've got a, a great foundation here for your business. I wish you continued success, and, and we'll be watching uh, for more coming from Fair Harbor. Great. Oh, well, thank you very much for the time. I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Really do appreciate it. This has been fun. <laughs> All right. Stay well, guys. That's it. Today, we have two game balls, one for Jake and one for Caroline, and we thank them for coming on the Marketing Playbook. To me, today's three game-winning marketing plays were as follows. Number one, the customer feedback loop is critical. You heard Jake and Caroline talk about how important it is to ask customers about the products that they have purchased and then listen to what they have to say. Too often, brands forget about the seemingly obvious tactic. Use that information to make important changes to your products. Number two, you can turn a passion and a frustration into a business. Fair Harbor started because Jake and Caroline saw beaches that were dirty, and they found a way to take plastic bottles and turn them into their board shorts. They have undertaken this task of educating and expanding awareness of the problem through their own website and the various partners they sell through. And number three, We've heard this one before. Jake mentioned that they started the business with some level of naivete. They did not know what they did not know, but they've surrounded themselves with talented people, those that have done it before. They have curated this group that provides day-to-day guidance on many aspects of the business. Thank you, Playbook Marketers, for listening to another episode. If you want to check out more pages of the Marketing Playbook, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast spot and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Details Interact and learn more at DetailsInteractive.com. Until next time, the devil is in the details. Yeah.